This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. All right, uh, let's hit up the hotline and welcome in uh, a guest that we've had on multiple times here on the Blitz 1170. Uh, someone that we go to when we need to understand a little bit more about what's happening in the NIL landscape. He is Mitt Winter. He is joining us now, an attorney, uh, NIL attorney up at uh, Kenny Hertz Perry LLC out of Kansas City. Mitt, thank you so much for joining us uh, this afternoon here on a Friday. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Um, we were having discussions earlier in the day. Is there a simplistic way to even begin to try to explain to the audience about everything that's been going on over the last week or so with uh, the contingency meeting in uh, D.C., trying to look for some sort of lifeline to try to save them with a model that has clearly been proven time and time again that it's not sustainable uh, in this in the future of collegiate athletics and where we're at right now. Where do we even start to try to sum this up that someone that's just listening that doesn't live and breathe and die with this myth that might understand actually what's happening? Yeah, I mean, I guess the simplest way to put it is that uh, the NCAA – and a lot of conference conference leaders, um, you know, like Greg Sankey, and even coaches uh, like Nick Saban and others, um, they've been out in D.C. Uh, this week, and they've been, you know, involved in some lobbying activities for a while now, trying to get a federal law passed that would, you know, allow the NCAA to get a, get some more control over things going on in college sports that it's not really in favor of right now. Um, so, you know, the NCAA currently doesn't have a whole lot of control over what's going on with NIL. Um, there are some, some efforts underway in courts and other uh, administrative bodies where college athletes could be declared employees. Um, and then there's other legal issues that the NCAA has. And the effort out in D.C. for a federal law is really trying to, you know, in a perfect world for the NCAA, try and solve all of those problems via a federal law. That, so that's the simplest way to put it. And there's obviously a number of issues that are just involved in that. But kind of at base level, that, that's what's going on out in dc right now so in dc uh you kind of tweeted about this a little bit earlier and it was uh there have been so many stories that have been posted about this going on through the week uh you even quoted in, in one of the on three stories but we at least are getting kind of an idea as to see what some of these coaches and administrators are saying behind closed doors about nil and you keep hearing that it's it's almost like it's the political game it's the same talking points over and over and over again Name, image, and likeness, one of the worst things to happen to college athletics in decades. And, you know, this is out to harm athletics, and it, it could be the end of of uh, college athletics as we know it. Yeah, in a way, but you so, you know, brilliantly pointed out that college sports, they're not going to go anywhere, but the model should should change and changes over time. Uh, but we we are starting to get a sense about what is really being said by some of these power brokers in the sport about what they truly feel about this, which is why they've gone to D.C. in the first place. Yeah, I mean, and from their perspective, I, I get why some of them feel the way they feel. You know, for for so long, I mean, geez, I don't know, 70 years, um, 
the NCAA and conferences and, and schools have been able, you know, to have a, a lot of control over um, athletes, especially, you know, talking about um, financial things. You know, it's been very heavily regulated on on what types of financial arrangements college athletes can enter into, where they can receive compensation from. And, you know, kind of overnight, some of those rules went out the window. And, you know, that's that's been a big change for a lot of people. And then when you combine that with the changes in the transfer portal, where guys can go in the portal easily and play right away at a new school, it's kind of created this perfect storm of, you know, upending what for so long has been the model that people have operated within. And, you know, I think it's making some people uncomfortable. Um, you know, there are other people, though, that are kind of, you know, embracing the changes and, and using them to their, their advantage. Um, so I think on the one hand, you have people who are, are fine with the changes going on and just accepting it and using them to their advantage. And then you have others who have been able to operate successfully in, you know, what the model was before and maybe feel a little threatened by some of the changes and, and that it might not benefit them. So you kind of have two camps and that, I think that's creating, you know, some of the, some of the narratives that you hear out there uh, about the negatives going on. And that, you keep using the term control uh, on on your Twitter account uh, when when you're going through and discussing some of this stuff. Uh, that kind of falls right in line with what you just talked about, right? It's it's about not wanting to give up on on the old model to continue to control in whatever form or fashion that it is. Um, and there's even little elements that they're trying to pass through that would give them even more forms of control. Um, with with whatever that they have moving forward, but it, this all boils down to who has the power and who doesn't. Yeah, that, that's a good way to describe it. And on, on that control point, I think you're right. You know, some of the federal laws that have been proposed, um, they they propose that a whole new federal commission needs to be created just to regulate college athlete NIL deals, which to me is kind of crazy. Um, you already have the NCAA who theoretically, you know, it has NIL rules, Um it doesn't think it's able to enforce them as well as it would like to. But in my opinion, you don't need to create a whole new federal commission just to sort of oversee NIL deals for college athletes when, you know, no one's calling for a similar sort of commission to oversee deals that influencers enter into. And a lot of them are college students as well. So to me, it's more people want to want to see all these deals so they can you know, see the terms and how much money is being made and, you know, just control that whole process more than they are right now. Probably an unfair question to ask at this point, Mitt, as, as Mitt Winter joins us here on the Blitz 1170. Are are they making from what you've seen any any headway towards getting members of Congress on their side, those that, that could end up being able to put something together You've even stated, hey, they do have some valid points to this, and whether that's a, a, a version of guardrails or not, but do you feel like that they have any momentum on their side right now? I think they have more momentum than they did a couple of years ago. Uh, I think for you know, a number of reasons. One, uh, Charlie Baker, the new president of the NCAA, is a politician. He was the governor of Massachusetts, and so he 
he knows how to operate um, in a political world much better than the previous president, Mark Emmert, did, who was an academic, uh, you know, a former president of a university. So I think that's, that's helping the NCAA a lot. And then, you know, like we touched on already, there is the narrative about NIL. You know, so many people say it's the Wild West, which I hate when people say it because I don't necessarily agree with that. But I think that that narrative is, is getting some more people's attention. And then one thing we haven't talked about yet is some of these new uh, state NIL laws mm. and bills that are being introduced and passed. And I think that is, you know, probably it's giving the NCAA a good, good talking point when they're out in Congress saying, you know, see, we told you so. These states are all passing these different laws and some of them you know, are superseding NCAA rules. And so we need one national standard for NIL. Speaking of one national standard, I mean, you're a former Division One athlete. If you could look at these individual states and, and the laws that they're they're imposing individually, which state is kind of doing it right in your opinion? Um, they're all a little bit different. Um, so I, I would say it's hard to pick out one state, but I think just kind of in general, what they're all really doing is they're allowing – schools to have more involvement in the NIL process and sort of helping navigate their their athletes through that process, which I'm in favor of. And so I think they're all, they're all good in that sense. Um, another thing that not all of them are doing, but a number of, of the new state NIL laws, um, they're almost allowing the, the NIL – funding to come from the university itself kind of with you know, one layer removed um, you know if you take the the Texas law for example and I don't you guys are probably familiar with what Texas A&M announced they want to do with their NIL program they're going to have their athletics fundraising foundation enter into deals with athletes so donors can just give directly to the athletics foundation get their points for tickets and, and parking and things like that um, and then that money can be used to to pay Texas A&M athletes for promoting the foundation itself. And I think you're going to see um, more of that happening with, with these laws, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, and it kind of makes things a little easier for everyone. Um, and one kind of one point we, have, we haven't talked about, but it's re- related to all of this, the only reason in, in my mind that, you know, the NIL stuff is considered to be so problematic and, you know, you hear pay for play and all the collectives and stuff is, in my mind, if, if the schools were allowed to just directly um, compensate the athletes, you know, on top of their scholarships and everything they can currently get, you know, for, let's call it revenue sharing of broadcast deals and, and stuff like that, I think that would kind of eliminate the, the problems that people are perceiving with, with NIL. But we can't do that, Mitt, because that would be, that they would have to admit that everything that they've been arguing for, for like you said, the last 70 years is nonsense, correct? I mean, that, that just seems like such a, such a hurdle at this point for them, like a mental hurdle to do it. Because you even pointed out, like the, the Arizona president kind of said the, the, the part out loud that the, the NIL law isn't even necessarily about NIL, is it? It's, it's about us having to change our model that we've had for multiple decades. 
Yeah, you're right. Um, I think, you know, people have obviously gotten very comfortable with with the current model and the way the the revenue flows, you know, right? Football and in some places basketball are, are the sports that fund every other sport. And so I think some people can't wrap their heads around how they're going to be able to operate all these other sports that they have if, you know, some portion of that revenue that's generated by the, the football players is going to them or the basketball players or even the women's basketball players or some other sports that generate revenue. So I think that's where, where people are really pushing back on some of the things that are happening. Um, but I think eventually we will get to some sort of revenue sharing with at least certain athletes. Um, the, I mean, the wild card in all this is that if the NCAA is able to get an antitrust exemption in a, in a federal law, which I don't think is, is going to happen. Um, and if that doesn't happen, I think we will see revenue sharing, I don't know, three years, five years, whatever it is, because there are these court decisions where athletes might be declared employees, kind of as I touched on before. And, you know, if, if that happens, there's going to have to be revenue sharing at some point. You know, he- heaven forbid that those that are worried about and I could be completely off on this, but the way I view it is, is that when I you you hear and back to the Arizona president say things like, "Hey, we're we're worried about other sports and the lack of funding that we're going to get now, and you know the sports that prop up these other sports." Heaven forbid that you know those people have to be fiscally responsible as well. You know, everyone in the in the country has to be fiscally responsible, except for what it seems like athletic departments and and college presidents. Um, it's like I to hear a lot, a whole lot of like crying wolf, which is why like the desperation with what's happening right now in D.C. really kind of, I mean, it, it reeks to me. It's louder than it ever has been before. Whether that's Tommy Tuberville or anyone else, it it sounds like a last gasp effort effort from them to protect what what they deem is, well, the way that we've always done it. So that's the way that we always should do it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think people are getting the sense that you know if we're not successful in getting a, a law past here with, with these things that we want, then, you know, that model is going to change. And so we need to really put forth our best effort to keep it the way it's been right now. Um, we'll just have to see how, how successful that's going to be. I don't, I don't think it's going to be successful. And then the question is, you know, how are they going to react to that? If they, you know, see that I can't get a federal law passed with these things that I want, you know, are we going to you know, start thinking about different models and, and how we're going to fund everything uh, moving forward? There are, you know, definitely ways to do it. And I, I think the best way is, you know, there are, there are lots of smart people out there working in college sports and that think about these, these things. And it would, it would be hard to come up with a, a new model and take some effort, but it can definitely be done. Mitt, I want to kind of get some clarification on something that you just said. You mentioned revenue sharing and possibly revenue sharing with certain athletes. Which athletes are you thinking that these this revenue sharing will you know happen to first? If if, if would it be specific players that kind of push the needle a little farther, or would it be certain sports? Like when you said that, what specific athletes are you talking about? Yeah, when I say that, I'm I'm mostly referring to Power Five football players, and you know maybe Power Five basketball players. Um, you know those those are really the sports that are driving 
most of the revenue being produced in, in college sports. Um, and in a, what I think should happen in a, in a perfect world, there should be a new entity that runs college, let's, let's call it high-level college football, Power Five, or even you know some other schools outside the Power Five as well. That entity would run college football for those schools. Then your your players could negotiate with that new entity. They could agree on what the rules of the league are going to be in terms of you know what athletes would be paid, um, player movement, um, all that stuff. And if, if those are collectively bargained, they're going to be exempt from the antitrust laws. So you're not going to have a problem with, with what the NCAA has now. They create rules, but they do it unilaterally, and so they get sued for violating antitrust law all the time. And I think there would be a similar – could be a similar uh, entity for let's call it high-level college basketball. You have the same scenario because those two sports, and you could also include women's college basketball. Those are the sports that are kind of different than the other sports and really generating lots of revenue. And they're so different from each other, right? There should be specific entities that are football only compared to basketball only. You can't compare those two. They're they're vastly different with everything that goes on behind the scenes, and that would make that much more sense. And and then the last thing that I have for you is, uh, do you find it intriguing what's kind of been happening now in terms of the players with the EA Sports video game now where they had said, hey, we'll give you 500 bucks, but we're not going to give you on the, on the back end uh, in terms of sales or anything else and about how the players have kind of, at least right now with early reports, there's been thoughts of, say, maybe even potentially holding out for you know, a video game that's been oh so coveted by by virtually everyone. How intriguing is all of that right now to you? Yeah, it's really interesting. I actually talked to an agent today who represents some pretty high-level college athletes, and he told me his agency is advising all their athletes not to sign on to the new video game until possibly, you know, when it gets close to that deadline and when it has to happen, just to kind of see – what happens and see if they, you know, can it increase the amount of money they're able to get. And he, he brought up a good point, you know, the NFL players, um, and there's obviously less players in the NFL than there are in college football. So they're not going to get as much as the NFL guys, no matter what happens, but they get royalties from, from every game sold and the way it's being planned for college for the video EA sports college football games, they're not going to get any royalties at all. So you know, as it's been proposed now, if you're a player and you sign on, you're going to get 500 bucks, and that's it. No matter if EA Sports sells 100 million video games, you're not going to see any upside from that. When in the NFL, under their agreement, they do see upside from that, and they're getting you know, 20 around 20 thousand dollars a player when you factor in the royalties. So it's a pretty big difference. Um, it just points out that there's really no entity out there. Um, that can speak with one voice for for these college football players in this type of negotiation. You know, the players are also fractured, and um, so it's easier for and EA knows that too, right? They're going to use that to their yeah. advantage. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's a business. They're they're a business, so they're going to you know use things to their advantage. You can't blame it for that. They owe us a lot of royalties, don't they, man? <laughs> yeah, they owe us a lot of royalties. <laughs> Mitt, this has been on this game for so long, it's probably going to be a huge seller. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, all the pent up, like uh, this coveting of of a game that was ripped away from so many people that that played it religiously, that are still hanging on to old versions of it. Yeah, the the uh, the aspect of this going on sale would be a big one indeed for EA. Can a brother get some stock options or something? <laughs> Mick, can we can we make that happen? I mean, me and you, Division One athletes, we should we should we should come together and and get something. <laughs> Let's do it, man. <laughs> Mitt, this has been great, man. I, we, we, the clock is uh, the clock has unfortunately bit us here uh, in this afternoon, but we always appreciate you coming on and uh, being able to explain a little bit more about what's going on because it's an incredibly complicated time, man. For for just the average fan trying to understand everything that's going on that they read, very difficult. And uh, individuals like yourself on Twitter that are trying to make this uh, as clear as possible uh, means the world, man. That you would take time to uh, come on with us here in Tulsa. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, and thanks again for having me on. No problem. That is uh, Mitt Winter joining us here on the Blitz 1170, uh, joining us from Kansas City, and again, NIL attorney. Interesting, you know, the players may not have a, air quote, union, Dion, on any of this, but to hear their agents who know a little bit better of suggesting that, Maybe they may not get all of them, but if they get a significant portion of them to fall in line with the same thinking, kind of the same way that a union would, yes. well, and I mean, it could throw a massive kink in any plans whatsoever that EA has for that. I'm just really glad that one of the things that NILs provided is an opportunity for individuals like attorneys and stuff like that to have the ear of these players and give them the right direction. Guidance. Yeah. It's guidance, which everyone needs. For sure in this crazy world. All right, it's 225. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more next here on the Blitz 1170. Don't forget Tulsa Oilers football. 630 with the pregame show with uh, Luke Hamilton coming up on Saturday right here on the Blitz and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.